Hello and welcome to the Native and the Transplant. I'm your native, Alex Johnson. And I'm your transplant, Jen Bryant. Jen, I guess this one's, uh, this episode's going to be a little bit different because as most of you know, uh, tragedy struck America yet again. Um, yesterday, 19 kids and two teachers uh, were gunned down by an 18-year-old. Um, never done this before, but I, I think at this point in time, I ask for you to be with us in just a moment of silence on this one before we get started. Thank you. This one's hit a little bit differently as everything that we've gone through within the last two and a half years, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about on this podcast, we try to keep things as local as possible, but every once in a while we do have to venture out into things that are happening around the country and that are affecting everybody, even when it takes place in Uvalde, Texas, a town that most of us probably hadn't heard of until yesterday. We get to the point that I think everybody is at at this point in time is why is just simply the question why. Why has this happened yet again? What is going on with it? And yet this one seems a little bit different. Um, the way that the president addressed it last night, instead of coming together, instead of uniting the nation, we have yet further division. So in this episode, we are going to talk about gun control. We're going to talk about the gun situation within the nation and the division that it is causing something that as simple as one of our shortest amendments, the second amendment has caused so much controversy. It's, it's difficult. And the, the, the reason why I'm struggling with this just even from the start, just even to bring up that this topic is my daughter's 10. The kids that were shot and killed yesterday all ranged in age from about seven to 10. And so looking at this and from a parent's perspective, you sent your child to school. You sent your child to elementary school, a place where they were safe, a place where they can learn, a place that they can be free to be themselves in order to establish who they are as an individual, to be able to race out onto the fields, play football, play soccer, jump around on the jungle gym, enjoy recess, enjoy learning. To be kids, and yet something like this happens and takes that that innocence away. Jen, <laughs> your thoughts on everything right now? Um, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I actually agree with you on everything you just said, and I think um, 
you know, we've had so many mass shootings this year. I, I can't find exact numbers on that, but a lot of shootings. And now we have 19 children and two adults that have, have been murdered in the safe place where we send our kids. You know, I, I, I remember um, my son was in probably seventh or eighth grade, and he came home and said that there had been a threat made against the school and that he was scared. And I said, well, I said, let's talk about what you would do. And he told me he was, he, he would fight. <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of a parent's worst nightmare because you are asking your 12-year-old kid to fight off somebody that's trying to kill them. And I, I pled with him. I remember actually crying and, and telling him that I, I just, just run, just run. I don't care if you take 50 people to our house, run and don't try to fight, run, hide. And if you have to fight, but I mean, that's what we're having to teach our kids right now. Um, I remember talking to a parent that had said that they, their child was doing an active shooter drill in the school. And, and when we were kids, we, we did tornado drills. Yeah. And before that they did bomb drills for people dropping bombs in the area, right? Like nuclear yeah. bombs. And uh, this parent had said to me, the thing that broke their heart the most was that number one, that it had to happen. But number two, that, um, they were giving the kids candy to keep them quiet. Yeah. And that, I mean, <laughs> Alex, that just tore my heart right out of my chest because these kids that are supposed to be learning and supposed to be, like you said, developing who they are and, and uh, f- figuring out socialization are, are now, over and over and over and over and over again, it's happening. And it's just a matter of time before it gets even closer to home. And I, I hate to say that because the reality is, though, I mean, we had supermarket shootings in, in uh, where, where was that? It was Boulder. Yeah, yeah well, Boulder and, then, and then just recently in Buffalo. I mean, it, it comes closer and closer to home. And we've talked to people that have been involved with these things. And it... it so let's actually dive into it. Yeah. Let's dive into kind of the start. So at least for yourself and myself, because we were in school at the time, is we remember 420 of 1998. Yeah, Columbine. Columbine. And that has set off. It was really, gosh, for lack of a better term, a trigger point. Um, and I don't know if a lot of them have been copycats, um, after that, they saw the notoriety, you know, the, the frustration of thinking about Columbine. The two people that I remember are the gun men. I do not remember the names of any of the, the kids. I do not remember the names of the teachers that passed away at Columbine. I remember a lot of them, but they, they put those gunmen on every single television throughout the country. And this is prior to really the internet being big. This is prior to social media. This is prior to everything else. It was the media at the time, not only here locally, but at a national level that they elevated those two to almost a celebrity status. Well, and we basically read their manifestos, why they were doing what they were doing, what their plans were, I mean, just vitriol and hatred being spilled out on paper after they were already gone, you know, and I mean, I do remember efforts and I, I, I was a senior in high school. Um, I think, were you a eighth grader? Were you younger than that? I was, I was in sixth grade at the time. Okay. So you were a sixth grader. I I was a senior in high school and I do remember there was a gal that, um, Rachel, one of the girls that was killed at Columbine, um, played 
tennis with a lot of, or yeah, tennis with a lot of the girls that went to our school as seniors. And it was devastating to find out that she had been lost. Um, I, you know, it, we always talk about like, where were you on September 11th? All of those things. Um, I was actually working in the library at my high school and yeah. I was watching that young man, um, Patrick fall out the window as they were trying to get him out. And, and he's actually since passed away. Um, you know, he was a quadriplegic and there's a lot of health problems that come with that. But I, I, you know, Columbine wasn't the first, but it was the most publicized. It was the most, I mean, very profound, I think in our, I would say as the first thing we remember and as, as far as school shootings are involved. Yeah. Which shockingly, the very first school shooting took place in 1853 and it was a teacher that got into an argument with a former student that had come to the school. And I guess they were shouting at each other and, and he ended up taking his rifle and shooting him. Um, so this is not, everybody looks at school shootings. Everybody looks at, at mass shootings, that this is a new development, that this is something that just recently started, but this has actually been going on for over a century. Well, unfortunately, the um, Rob, uh, Rob Elementary School, this is the second deadliest shooting we've had. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> you, know, you, you could have said that five shootings ago, but the death toll keeps going up. Yeah. Sandy Hook has been in recent um, recent history. I know that there was a – I'm trying to remember when. I know it was in the late 1800s that there was an, a – Electrician, or was it the early 1900s? It's I don't recall, but there was a electrician or a janitor that um, set bombs off in the school, okay. and that killed 44 people, um, and that's the deadliest attack that has ever taken place on our schools. But you look at that, and then you look at Sandy Hook, and now you look at Rob Elementary. <clears throat> the biggest frustration that I had yesterday was our current administration. Um, President Biden came out and instead of, instead of unifying the nation, he immediately politicized it yet again. And that's one thing that talking with people today, talking and even listening to people on the right, people on the left, whether it was NPR or, or talk radio is you see a spectrum of complete and utter division. Right. That one side is going immediately to gun control. The other yes. side is going immediately to, you can't take our guns and we're going to, I mean, traditionally the sale of guns goes up the day or two after these kind of things, these events happen. Yeah. And you know, you can't take my guns or we have to, there's no, there's no compromise in the middle. Yes. And so that's where I wanted to, to dive into this topic is gun control and what is effective, what can be done, what can't be done. And we look at it, and to start off with, you have the Second Amendment, which ends in shall not be infringed, and yet we have over 20,000 gun laws on the books in the United States today. Over 20,000. And it's interesting that throughout everything, with every single one of these mass shootings, the laws on the books of, you know, against mass murder, against murder in general, against a lot of times gun laws already in place that were not followed. Right. They're not enforcing them. That aren't enforced. And we end up with these situations. So at that point in time, I ask a lot of people, well, what 
could the, what is the solution? What can we do to end something like this? I think that's a really um, <clears throat> complicated question. And, you know, I, I, I've said before, and I will, I will stand with it. What I say, I think that there are enough gun laws. I think that gun laws need to be enforced. And granted, you know, the argument is why was an 18 year old allowed to purchase a semi-automatic weapon? See, and at that point in time, that's yeah, where, yeah. that's where we get to the original debate or the debate, uh, that needs to happen versus what is happening right now. Everybody starts out with the debate of nobody needs an assault weapon. Do you know what the classification of an assault weapon is? I do not. It's a semi-automatic that has the capability of being able to have two or more items attached to it. So a sight, a, a clip, bayonet, or... okay. um, a laser sight. You, you know, there's very often times that in hunting, you're attaching an awful lot of things to yeah. your gun, whether it's an AR-15, whether it's something else. But the fact that the assault weapons ban, Columbine happened while there was an assault weapons ban in place from 94 through 2004. And so that didn't stop Columbine from happening. So a lot of people then go into, well, we need universal background checks. Well, that happens an awful lot around the country is universal background checks. But this was an 18-year-old kid that had no priors, nothing to be flagged on. So a universal background check wouldn't have stopped him from purchasing those weapons. Correct. What, what what would you say then to the argument that an 18-year-old kid shouldn't have been allowed to buy an AR-15? I mean, I'm, I'm asking genuinely. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> again, an AR-15 is – it's a two two three rifle. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me that it's perfectly all right that an 18-year-old goes in and they're able to buy a two two three with a wooden stock. But if it has a plastic stock or it has a rubber stock – and it's a little bit different of a configuration, then that's illegal or that should be illegal or that shouldn't be able to um, – an 18-year-old shouldn't be able to purchase that. The The thing that we go into is now let's talk about culture. Right. Where it's not that long ago that in most schools around the country, people drove to school with a rifle or a shotgun or both in their back window. Yeah, I mean, my husband did it. He, you know, he graduated two years before me. He grew up in rural Arkansas. That was normal. Yeah. And so we didn't have the mass shootings then. Why? You know, there was a time back in the 50s and 60s that a kid could buy a handgun. Right. We didn't have mass shootings. Why? We're at a point in history that this is a cultural issue and it's not, it's not the gun's fault. I would submit that part of it, part of the cultural issue is that there's, you know, obviously we have a pretty big mental health crisis going on in our country. And I, I would say, you know, that's a, that's a fine line. And I will concede that because, you know, we have these red flag laws, um, that we, if somebody has, if they've sought out mental health, then somebody needs to report that and that they need to have the red flag where they are not able to purchase guns. There's a fine line. And we've talked about that before, so I won't go into it, but, um, I would submit that it almost is a immediate quote unquote problem solution that you 
obtain a firearm and either use a suicide by cop or goes to the extreme like this. So this, this young man that, um, perpetrated this act down in Uvalde, Texas, um, actually shot his grandmother, put it on Facebook, said he was going to shot her announced on Facebook that he had, and she's still in critical condition. I don't know what that looks like. Um, and then he announced that he was going to the school. Yeah. I don't think we know what his connection is to the school yet. We don't have any idea what the motive was, but it's a very <clears throat> reminiscent of Sandy Hook because yeah. at that point in time, the shooter in Sandy Hook, he so the mom I believe was a teacher at the school or administrator at the school, yeah, and he shot his mom and then went to the school and then committed that act, yeah. and so it's very reminiscent of Sandy Hook. It is, and that's it's really. Um, upsetting because I, I don't know how do you intervene in those kinds of things because of that, that person who perpetrates the act, no matter what their age is, has not come into contact with mental health care. How would a red law have prevent or red flag law prevented that? It wouldn't have. That's my point. And yeah. That's where, <clears throat> when we immediately start going into attacking and saying, well, we need more gun laws. The NRA is bad. All of this stuff is going on. Um, all it does is cause greater and greater division. Right. If, and this is one thing that we haven't done before on the podcast is talk about a, a national thing within 24 hours of it occurring. Correct. Normally we like to wait about 72 hours to get a little bit more facts out and be able to have the discussion at that point with this one, because of how quickly the division is happening Just, yeah, absolutely. And seeing the difference between the right and the left right now. And I listened, you know, to talk radio today. I listened to NPR today. I listened to quite a few different pundits and seeing the difference on how, how our media is looking at this, especially from the right and from the left. Where from the left, almost every single thing that I heard of or that I heard was we need gun laws. We need gun control. We need all of this stuff. We need to make sure that people can't get guns. We need to take away guns. We need to do all of this. And everybody on the right is, okay, let's actually dive into what caused this to happen. Right. What is the overall situation at hand? What is the information that we don't know yet? And let's hold off our, our position until we actually figure out what's going on. And then you have when Greg Abbott was, uh, he's the governor of Texas. Oh, I know who Abbott is. Yeah, was at the presser talking about it today. And you had Beto O'Rourke, who's running for governor, go in and immediately interrupt. Yeah, I started yelling and telling him that the blood of these children was on on Abbott's hands. And at that point in time, Beto O'Rourke needs to pull out and be done with politics, period, moving forward. Because he did that while the victim's parents while the families were in that auditorium, were sitting there crying, and he politicized it. Almost dropped it. I almost dropped it. Almost it. happened. Well, here's here's what I would I would say. I completely agree with that. Um, I actually have. I don't really like Abbott at all. Um, I think he's a total jerk. And I I will say, you know, we have the the NRA stuff going on in Texas. What in three days? Yeah, it's this weekend. It's it's this weekend. <sighs> These politicians have got to shut their mouths and let these families grieve. They have to. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Trump. I don't care if it's Abbott. I don't. I don't care if it's Beto. I don't care who it is. Shut up and let them get their children out of the building and grieve them. 
let yeah. them lay their children to rest. You know, we've got an entire, I mean, I don't even know how big Uvalde is, but we have 19 children in one city that will not graduate, that will not see their 15th birthdays, that will not go home to their families. And, you know, the, I, I'm sure you saw the man who was posting, please help me find my child. And he was holding a picture of his child up in front of the building. And then a couple a couple hours later, he found that his daughter was dead. Yeah. I mean, let these people, let it settle for just a minute and let them take a deep breath. I Like I said, I Beto, Abbott, all of these people that are talking need to shut up. Yes, on, on more ways than one. Because I mean, oh God, yeah. The other aspect of this and what we have to look at is just recently with the Buffalo shooting. Yep. Well, the Buffalo shooter was a white supremacist. He was, yeah. um, he intentionally went in there to, to shoot black people. Mm-hmm. And so you look at that and his history of mental illness, his, I think he had nine, um, no, it was the New York subway shooter that had 19 priors, but the Buffalo shooter had a couple of priors. Yeah. And, should not have been able to get guns. And that took place in New York. Well, they have pretty strict gun laws, don't they? Some of the strictest in the nation. <clears throat> so immediately they went to white supremacy as far as the narrative on it. And they didn't touch anything on, on uh, gun control. And then right. you have the shooting in Texas take place. And now immediately it's a Hispanic guy that did it. And they immediately went towards gun control. I'm sick and tired of these tragedies being politicized. Big time. Especially before the blood has even dried, before they were able to exhume all of the children out of out of the school. Hell, identifying them. And we have our president on national television dividing our nation. Well, now I'm going to point something out, and I've, I've spoken to this a little bit before, but I actually have the press release from um, uh, President Obama's um, answer – directly after Sandy Hook. Okay. So what he said, you know, is that we won't be able to stop every violent act, but if there's even one thing we can do to prevent any of these events, we have a deep obligation, all of us to try. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate those words. This was his plan. His plan was closing background check loopholes to keep guns out of dangerous hands. That's enforcing the laws we already have in place. Okay. Uh, banning military style assault weapons and high capacity magazines and taking other common sense steps to reduce gun violence, including making schools safer and increasing access to mental health services. And now I want to, I want to make a big point here. Three weeks after he released this and signed this law into bill saying that we needed to increase funding to mental health services, he turned around and cut funding. And I know that because I watched several mental health facilities in Northern Colorado get closed because they all lost their funding. So you cannot tell me that this isn't politicized. Yeah. It's all politicized. And, and, you know, there are so many things going wrong in our country right now. And I would say this is the top of everybody's list of list is list of importance, but they all stand up there and they all make their promises and it's not changing a damn thing. Yes. And So on top of that, one of the things that you mentioned was reducing magazine size. So we saw that happen here in Colorado after the Aurora shooting. Yeah. And you had Magpul that pulled out and they ended up going up to Wyoming. Um, That would not have stopped it. And magazine size, magazine capacity will not stop a mass shooting. Do you know how long it takes to switch out a mag? I, I probably just a couple seconds, honestly. If you're really good at it, less than a second. Yeah, I was going to say it's not. It doesn't take very long. You just got to carry enough, right? 
Yeah, and at that point in time, it's very easy to be able to uh, switch out the springs and switch out some of the internals to be able to extend the, the capacity. Well, and the Aurora shooter was doing that. He had ordered things online to circumvent those loopholes, to get around all of that stuff, to be able to do that. He went in there with the intention of doing it. He planned it for months. I mean, it, granted, so, there is some argument to the red flag log on that or law on that one because his his therapist or basically was trying to do it, but it, she didn't have the power to do it. Yeah. So I mean, so you look at a lot of this stuff, and you look at every single time that they push forward these gun control bills. After Sandy Hook, I was infuriated because there was a, a presser, and you had um, I'm trying to remember her name. You had a, a senator that went to Connecticut, and I apologize, it's, it's skipping my mind right now, but during the presser, she's standing up in front of all of the press, in front of people, in front of, I, I don't know if some of the families were there, and she's holding an AR-15. And as she's holding that AR-15, the mag's in, slides closed, and her finger's on the trigger. Yeah, and she's pointing at the crowd, wasn't she? She's pointing it over at the <clears throat> cops off to, off to her left. Yeah, panning. And panning. Number one rule of gun safety above anything else is finger off the trigger. Right, and do not point it at anybody unless you intend to fire. Correct. And so we have the situation where we have lawmakers that want to ban certain weapons, that want to, to ban guns, that want to restrict your second amendment rights at the same time that they've never held a gun. They don't know any, anything on how to operate the gun. Right. And yet they're going to be the ones to make laws that you and I have to follow that criminals and throughout all of this, criminals aren't going to follow these laws. So the attack that's happening right now is on people that did not perpetrate this act on, on citizens that had nothing to do with this and that are grieving and that are, are frustrated that this ever occurred. Right. And yet they're the ones being attacked saying, because you own guns, you're the bad person. Well, you know, I think you just hit the nail on the head right there. Criminals don't obtain guns legally, or if they do, they're not going to follow your laws anyway. So put as many as you want into place, but all you're doing is wasting money and time and banging your head against a wall when we need real solutions. And I, I, like I said, I don't know what those real solutions are. And I, I, but on that same token, I can't say that I agree with more gun laws and taking away gun rights. This is where we get back to the cultural issue. And again, right. over the last two, two and a half years, we as the United States have, have changed dramatically. Within the culture, and especially with our kids more so than anything else. When we locked our kids inside for over a year, when you were told to give your healthy kids a vaccine to prevent them from getting grandma and grandpa, um, before prevent them from killing grandma and grandpa, what did that do to the mentality of our children? What did that do to the psyche of our children? <laughs> normally I would say it taught compliance and then it taught them to be very, you do what you're told and you comply and you, and you put your head down, honestly. To a point, but, <clears throat> but then, then also it got to the point that they stopped caring. Exactly. Because now they feel that everybody is lying to them. So people at every single level of government has lied to us repeatedly. And then you allowed in the summer of 2020, after the George Floyd incident, to allow 574 riots to take place within this nation. 
574 riots to take place within this nation. Countless people dead. Officers injured. Billions in damage. And yet we were all told it's a mostly peaceful protest. So yeah, you I look at how many were peaceful aside from the riots. Cause I know that there were peaceful protests. It's, but I would, I would that's not including that. in the 574. That <clears throat> no, is no, what was actually riots. classified as riots. So at this point in time, we have the riots that were allowed to take place and were coddled by the media. Oh, absolutely. You had the defund the police movement. You had even our vice president that was raising funds to be able to bail people out of jail that were committing heinous acts during these riots. And yet now we're at the point that you have one individual, one 18-year-old, that I have no idea what was going through his mind, what was happening. People are saying that he was constantly bullied for a lisp and for other reasons and for being poor. That doesn't give him the right to be able to do the act that he did. But you look at the overall situation and one heinous act and now you're going to attack half of the nation and call half the nation criminals. Right. It doesn't matter which side you're talking about or whatever. It really doesn't. I mean, I know you're speaking about the gun stuff and all of that. Um, I guess why all of this, I mean, obviously the loss of life because these are children, you know, and, and I'm not, every time that one of these happens, they come out and say, well, there was this other kid at the press conference that's been at every press conference or whatever it is. I just don't, I don't buy into that. Um, but what I will say is, is that unfortunately it happens after every single incident like this is that these children are going to become a tool of the political machine to make it. Let me push whatever agenda I want to push. And, yeah. and Texas is a hotbed for that right now because of the abortion laws and because of their gun rights and because of the governor's race and, and all of that. And so, I mean, I suppose if you're an entrepreneurial Republican or liberal that wants to fight your side the way you want to fight it, then you're going to push whatever agenda you can using whatever you can. And I'm going to be real honest here. That's disgusting, deplorable, sickening, and angering. I mean, angering. I'm so angry that they're going to use these children's names to push forward whatever agenda they have. I don't care what your agenda is. If you use that, I'll make sure I fight against it. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if it's gun rights. I don't care if it, I, you know what I mean? Don't use these children's lives to push your agenda, no matter what it is. This is, that's not what it's about, you know? And not only that, can you imagine being a parent of one of these deceased children and watching somebody that you thought was going to change something that would at least prevent it from happening to other children and they use it for that. I mean, really? Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if I can get more high pitched than that. I'm so angry about it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And this is where, again, I, <laughs> this is why I, I like to wait about 48 to 72 hours um, after a situation occurs to, to speak on it. The immediate thing that came to my mind is looking at my daughter's school mm-hmm. and wondering how this gunman was able to enter the school. And the reason why I ask that question is because with my daughter in her school, even when I want to take my daughter out of school for a dentist appointment or something else, I 
especially right now, there is essentially a ring camera at the front door. Yeah. And somebody walks out and will open the door and come outside and talk to me outside, then go back in, call my daughter out of class, bring her down, and then open the door and allow my daughter to come out to me. Yeah. I never once stepped foot in the school. And so that's the part that I hearing about this, I'm looking at it and I go, I understand this is in Uvalde, Texas, but I would think that most schools would kind of have a similar policy of if you aren't supposed to be here, you aren't getting in. Yeah. You need an ID and you need a reason. And I, heck when I pick up my kids, even in at the junior high, high school level, um, I still have to buzz in. They, I still have to show ID at the door and I have no problem doing that. Yeah. I mean, but to some extent, it's like, well, we don't want to put medical metal de- detectors into the building because we don't want our kids to feel like they're going to prison. And then something happens and they say, well, we need metal detectors there. I, I just don't know what the balance is. I, I don't. And I, I can't I won't even pretend to know. I, I, I'll tell you the truth, though. I'll take metal detectors over children that aren't alive anymore. I think first and foremost, and I'm going to get some grief on this and feel free to reach out again. Our email address here is the native dot the transplant at gmail.com. We're at a point in time with all of this going on that we should realize and understand that all of our schools that are gun free zones are targets. Mm-hmm. The Capitol is not a gun free zone. The white house is in a gun free zone. The capital is not a, a gun-free zone. The and the state capital is not a gun-free zone. So it's gun-free to everybody else. But there's plenty of armed security around all of these locations. Right. <clears throat> so at that point in time, don't our kids deserve the same level of security? We just gave forty billion dollars that we borrowed from China to Ukraine to help them in in their fight and their battle. And you're telling me that we don't have the funds to be able to protect our kids in school, that we can't utilize our retired military that are willing to come and volunteer. I know many veterans that would be willing to come and volunteer and do one day a week or two days a week as an armed guard for our schools. Our police officers, our, our school resource officers. At that point in time, if a gunman goes to an area, and this is why it's happening, we saw this happen in Boulder at the King Supers, we saw this happen in Buffalo, we've seen this happen at uh, the Aurora Theater shooting, we've seen this happen all over the place, that a majority of these shootings are taking place in gun-free zones. Right. Because they don't want... They don't want somebody shooting back. And even in the situation that occurred yesterday, there was a police officer that shot back, he was shot... And then it was a a border patrol agent that went into the school without backup and went and shot and killed him. Well, because the um, officers were holding because they didn't know where he was at and they didn't want to go into the building because they were trying to, you know, logistically figure things out. I mean, thank God for the border control agent because – her border patrol agent because how many other children would we have lost? Correct. I mean, it's – I, I would, I would just like to say though, I, I, I'm not necessarily in favor of teachers being armed unless they're willingly doing that. Like it shouldn't be a mandatory thing for them. And I do think that that would warrant a lot of 
careful vetting and background checks and, and mental health checks to make sure that they're not just there to be gun toting. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, <sighs> yeah, this isn't shooter grill. No, I know exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and the thing is, is that, you know what, you're right, but here's what I will say. And, and, and like I said, the native dot the transplant at gmail.com. Here's the thing. In three weeks, people will have forgotten about this. We'll see the funerals happen. Everybody will make their grandstand. Some other law will come up and they'll put it into place because everybody will vote for it because they don't want to look bad not voting for it. Okay. They'll push their political agenda. They'll use these children's deaths for their own political gain. And then we won't look back at this again. And, and it's because, and I'm going to say it. They don't actually care. They don't care about our children. They don't care about their safety. They care about whether or not they gain political notoriety and whether or not they continue to get reelected. And again, I will say it. You need to look at your representatives and you need to ask those questions and you need to vote accordingly. I I, I can't say that enough, but you're going to see it happen and I'm going to be real angry in about two or three weeks when this all gets pushed under the rug and they say, well, it was because of this or whatever it is, but real enforcement, real change, whatever that looks like, because I'm not even, I don't even know that I'm willing to say what I think all the real change should be, but I do think we need to enforce our current laws. I think that we need to, okay, very legitimately, if you see something, say something. Okay. There are so many parents that have reported their own children knowing that they are going to perpetrate an act and they don't want it to happen. One for the safety of their children, but for two for the other, other people, you have to do something and you have to stand up and you can't be quiet anymore. And I'm, I, like I said, I'm going to be real angry in the next couple of weeks because I guarantee you, we're going to see a lot of damn grandstanding just like Beto O'Rourke and just like Abbott and, and <clears throat> all of these people that are going to use it for their own gain. Yeah. I'm already angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As we should be. I agree. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's very difficult. And I think you and I come from an interesting perspective of we, we really were closely, I mean, we're in Loveland, you know, Littleton's not that far away from us. Yeah. I went to college with people who went to Columbine high school. I, um, there were serious connections to our school. I sat there in the library watching it happen, you know, not, I've obviously not Columbine's library in my high school's library, watching it happen and, and living that and coming out of it and being so emotionally raw. But how many, you know, it's not like we had video cameras on this school as this was happening and the children weren't watching it play out. Thank God. Yeah. Cause I don't even know how, <laughs> I don't know how I would even explain it. And I've talked to my kids about it, but how do you explain that? I don't know. I mean, and, and, you know, it's like, it's like I go back to what I said to my son about don't know. You just need to run. And he's a bigger kid. You know, he's almost six foot four and now he probably would, but I've had to say to him, leave, run and hide. Yeah. Hey, don't be a hero, you know, cause that's, that's their first instinct protect. And that sucks. And I was, I also really want to, um, express my gratitude to the two adults that made every effort to protect these children and lost their lives in the process. Um, Dave Sanders at Columbine high school, he was a uh, teacher there and, and gave his life to save other children. And, and, you know, we really have to honor those individuals because these teachers did not go into teaching 
to put their lives in danger and they are doing it every single day. So I, I just want to express my gratitude for them because, um, you know, they literally gave their lives to save other people, yeah. children. So. So, so this already is a, a difficult subject to talk about <clears throat> the, and what I'm about to bring up, I imagine we'll get, it's going to ruffle some feathers at some point. Um, looking at the division that's taking place and especially everything that is going on right now, as far as Roe v. Wade, as far as the uh, gun control issue that's going through the Supreme Court at this point as well. All of these opinions are going to be released within within the month of June, and we will see what comes of this. But you have, in particular on the left, that they now have a very interesting dynamic of supporting and being full pro-choice as they're asking for gun control. And so you take this particular situation and all of these kids 10 years ago, before they were born, they would have been celebrated that their mother terminated them. And now we're sitting here dealing with the tragedy of these kids getting gunned down. And so it's an interesting dynamic that we have within the nation, in particular on the left more so than the right, on how this is going to progress forward on the different dueling arguments of what is the value of a life. Right. It's a, it's kind of a cesspool to be honest with you. And I don't, um, I do want to say, I would disagree with you that, um, people who are pro-choice would celebrate the termination of a pregnancy. Just, I I just want to say, I, I don't know that it's a celebration. I don't believe it is. The the right. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I just want to clarify that out. You look at a lot of the women's marches and some of that stuff and, and some of the more, Aggressive. uh, Aggressive and celebrity type that stood up on stage and celebrated the fact that they had three abortions. I don't think that that's all right. I have a personal issue with that. But again, that's my opinion. But this is something that as we're going into this election cycle, that in particular, the left is going to have to deal with. Oh, yeah. Is you're perfectly all right with partial birth abortions is in California and as in New York. But then you're up in arms, pun intended, yeah, I was gonna say. <clears throat> about school shootings and about gun control. Right. Protect life, but not in that instance. So at that point in time, what is the value of a life? Well, I would say that there is kind of the flip to that, is that you're totally okay with people having guns and all of that stuff, but you're not okay. So that, that then, you know, cause realistically, I mean, I, I think I can admit this a lot of, you know, <laughs> I had this sort of weird, depressing epiphany today, right? I was reading this thing about how people were saying that guns are intended to maim and kill to the core of that. That's actually true. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that you buy a gun with the intention to maim or kill a person, But if you're talking about hunting, they are to kill an animal for you to eat. That's, I'm not a vegan or any, I'm not against hunting (laughs) at all. So I just want to put that out there, but, or for protection, you are going to probably kill somebody coming into your house if you have to. I mean, there was a 70 year old lady that shot and killed an intruder in her house this week, Yeah. right? So the, 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 a weapon 
and in general it's is intended tool. to do that. It is yeah. a tool, correct? Um, cause it's not like you're opening locks with guns, right? So that unfortunately is kind of a, a depressing epiphany, like I said, but, um, I think everybody's taking it to the extreme one far away. Well, you are only buying that gun to kill people or you are only having an abortion for birth control. I mean, and then you slap those two together and boy, howdy is the divisiveness really working. Cause right now we just had a total opposite viewpoint well, on that. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up and I was going to get to the Republican <clears throat> side of it as well yeah. is because there's a meme that's going around social media at the moment that says I'm pro-life up until my child gets shot in or until a child gets shot in the school shooting. <clears throat> and so you have, as you made mention of, the exact opposite on the right yeah. throughout this process of, oh, you're, you're for school shootings and you don't, you only care about the child when it's in utero. This is the divisiveness that I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. This is the cesspool that we're dealing with now with our elected officials that are supposed to be adults, that are supposed to have a conversation, that are supposed to say, what is best for we as a society? Right. A civil society. Right. And how do we move forward? Where are the breakdowns within our municipalities within our our cities our towns that are causing some of these things to happen right that, and that horrifying i'm going to push it one way and you're going to push it the other way and now we can't even have a conversation but it's not benefiting us at all no who's it benefiting alex <laughs> all the politicians all of them i mean <laughs> You know, we've had people on that are pro-gun rights. We've had people on that are pro-life or pro-choice or anti-gun rights or any of those things. And I think it's important to have those conversations. And that that's why we exist, I would say, as, yeah. as a podcast, because we can have this conversation and not walk out of this room angry at each other. In fact, I would say, how many times have we walked out of this room angry at each never. other? Yeah, never. Not never. once. And sometimes we sit on totally opposite sides of the spectrum. But this conversation has to be happening. It has to be happening across the country. People have to be asking what is this intended to cover up or to, you know, um, okay. It was like the Epstein trial, right? Yeah. There's all this stuff happening with Ghislaine, um, Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine, is yeah. it Ghislaine? Um, there's all this stuff happening with her. And when the abortion stuff came out, there was all kinds of conversations and trials and things happening in that arena and nobody was paying attention to it because we were all angry about abortion, no matter what side you're on. Yeah. And so the, the underlying things that are happening beneath all of this, they, 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 these politicians are using it to their advantage and we're not seeing what's really happening. Yeah. And it's the perfect example on why the Ghislaine Maxwell trial was not aired was right. not shown, and yet you have the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial that you can't get away from. Were right. clips constantly everywhere, and they're live streaming the whole dang thing. This is what's messed up within society, and that's also why I keep on going back to this is a cultural issue. Big time. And so, how do you change the culture? A lot of this it falls on and. You know, I don't even care if I get lambasted for this. A lot of this, and I put a lot <laughs> of the overall problem is on our media. Oh, 100%. Let him lambast you. You can lambast me too, guys, because he's totally <laughs> right. Our media in this nation is, 
it's propaganda. Absolutely. And if you don't think the people at the top are totally using the media as a puppet to gain what they want from these sort of situations, you're higher than a kite man because they are using this to their advantage. We've seen it happen for the last two and a half years in particular, but we've seen it going back decades. Right. And we're at the point now where I think enough people are just tuning out the mainstream media. Yeah. And I don't care if you're watching CNN or you're watching Fox News. Most people are turning out all and turning it off because they're sick and tired of being lied to. Yeah, or they just can't tolerate the devastation and grief that's occurring. If If you want proof of that, Turn on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, Al Jazeera, and BBC, and watch one subject, because they're all going to cover the same stuff. Watch how different all five of those major news stations are going to cover one event. I guarantee it. Do it with do it with Uvalde. Do it with Uvalde NC, because every single one of them is going to have a totally different take, and they're going to push their political agenda, and they're going to tell you what to believe, and you're going to believe it because you trust them as a news source. I would submit it's time to stop trusting them as a news source. <laughs> All of them. Yeah, well, I did that long ago. So did I. You know, we've, we've talked about it before, but when we cover stories, um, we try to find as many sources as possible, including right down to that person's mouth. Yeah. What do you have to say about this? Now, I can't guarantee what's coming out of somebody's mouth is the truth, but at least it's coming out of their mouth and I know what the source is. Yep. You know, it, it, this is so frustrating and it, and it's really upsetting because like I said, they're going to use this tragedy to push another agenda. Yep. I mean, it's, you know, you ever notice that's always perfect timing. <laughs> Almost seems organized. <laughs> Sorry, I'll delete that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't say who it was. I'm just, I, I, but you're, yeah. you're, you're absolutely correct in that. And, and it is, it is, we are, we are receiving the information that they want us to receive. And they push the stories behind. I mean, I can think of every single scandal that we've had in the country politically forever. And, and we even, and I won't even say what scandal it was because I bet you can guess when Google was pushing results down to the very bottom of the page on certain political figures because they didn't want it publicized. Yep. And I don't, I don't feel like being yeah. suicided. So this, <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't have anything on Hillary Clinton. <laughs> well, you said it, not me. <laughs> I, not at all. <laughs> Cause Google hit it all. Yeah. So looking at all of this, the main, the main takeaway is what can we do? And I think that's the biggest question that everybody's asking. And one of the things that you can do is get a gun, be proficient at it. That's the key on that is if you get a gun or you have guns is be proficient at it. Understand how to operate that tool. Understand what it takes. The big discussion that is going to take place right now in every family that has kids is what do I say to my children? And it's a difficult subject to bring up. It is a difficult thing to talk about, to talk about with a eight year old, with a 10 year old, with even a, a teenager, with an 18 year old about a tragedy like this. The big key 
is to be honest. That yes, there is evil in this world. There is evil that no matter what happens as far as with gun control, no matter what happens within gun confiscation, you can see the proof in Australia, in the UK, where they banned the guns and it didn't limit the shootings. All it did was it it took the guns out of the hands of civilians, out of the people that were law-abiding citizens. And then what happened? All of a sudden, the knives started. Right, and the and, vehicles and, and the, the vehicles, and... everything else. And so with that, it's the understanding and being able to share with your children that there is evil in this world and to understand that you got to keep your head on the swivel. Where still be a kid, still go out and run and play and have a good time, stare up at the sky and watch the animals in the clouds. But also understand that you may need to look and watch your friends, see what's happening with them, see what's going on. And if they are starting to struggle, if they're starting to go down a path that is not good, to bring it to your attention, to have the honest discussions and to be willing as you as a parent to listen to your children and to listen to what they're saying to you. You know, something that's almost gone in society today is sitting around the dinner table and being able to have a conversation about the day and having your children listen to you. And more importantly, you listen to your kids. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to hug my kids tighter and I'm going to teach them that if you see something, say something to a trusted adult to somebody that you know has your best interest at heart. And maybe that's few and far between for some kids, but every kid has that person that they know they can go to. Every kid has that. And I'm, I'm going to do my damnedest to be that person because just because they're not my kid doesn't mean that they can't trust me. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to really pay more attention. You know, I mean, I think we can all benefit from adults that pay attention and that care and I mean, I feel like I'm pretty politically active. Uh, there are some places, uh, you know what I mean? But, yeah. um, <clears throat> like I said, and I, the, the other thing, um, as a parent that I learned actually from my mom many years ago, I, I don't really remember seeing my mom cry. And I don't know about you. Um, my kids have seen me cry maybe twice. I think my daughter said she's seen me cry twice. I'm not really a crier and I'm not, I don't really get angry. I'm pretty. Uh, usually pretty even keeled. And I think about something, like you said, I give it 48 hours to really process. And and then I decide if it's something that I need to react to. Um, but I, I am, I'm going to make a bigger effort to show my grief with my children. Um, I reminded when I, I lost a friend to suicide and I pulled over on the side of the road when I got the call that he had passed. And I, I, I started crying really hard because he was a very special person in my life from the time I was like eight years old. And I remember being absolutely devastated. And my son was probably seven years old and he crawled up in the front seat and he said, mom, what's wrong? And I just told him obviously age appropriate, right? But that honesty and that grief, our kids need to see that because if we don't let them see that, what they see is us shutting off and not paying attention. And they understand that teaches them that they can't trust us to let them express what they have as grief. And I think if we listen to that, then you open that up for your kid. And I, I know you've experienced this. 
my kids' friends now come and talk to me when they have something going on. And they're open with me. And sometimes i got to practice that face of, oh, instead of the horrified, shocked look, i got to take that deep breath and respond, how'd that go? Right? And it's about listening to your kids. And you, you hit the nail on the head there. And I'm not saying that's going to prevent this kind of tragedy. But maybe, just maybe, as adults, we can be that person that somebody like that kid could come and talk to instead of feeling like they needed to perpetrate this kind of act. Just maybe. Yeah. I think that's a good place to leave it. Yeah. Thanks for sticking around. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of things that did happen uh, here locally that we want to just talk about real quick is Loveland did institute the camping ban. <clears throat> So the, uh, that is one thing that they are working on right now, LPD and, and the city is working on, uh, clearing out some of those camping areas. I know if you're heading up 287, just past 402 off to the right hand side, um, you can see all of those tents and all of that stuff that's happening right by the river. Um, so that's starting to begin clearing out. But the interesting thing about this is that it's causing a ripple effect throughout all of the municipalities within Northern Colorado. Mm -hmm. So I know even at the uh, board of trustees meeting in Bertha yesterday, that's something that's going to be on their next meeting agenda is to talk about, okay, should we implement something as far as a camping ban? What do we need to do? Because when you have this disruption that's going to take place within Loveland now, they're going to go north or they're going to go south. So you have Longmont that's discussing this. You have Fort mm-hmm. Collins that's discussing this. Greeley, and I'm pretty sure Wellington even brought it up. Yeah, and I know that I know that the camping ban is with the caveat on place that they have to have resources or at least the beginning of resources. So when they do clear these camps out, there is somewhere for them to be housed. Yeah. And I think that's actually a very good response. I I wasn't. I'm not always terribly impressed with how people deal with these, especially not the Loves and City Council. <laughs> uh, you know, just yeah. because I live there and I hear it and I get irritated, right? But I do think that they, that was a very wise decision to say, we are going to put this camping van in place. However, we are going to make sure that there are resources because you can't, I mean, we can, we can just push people out, but I feel like that exacerbates the problem and increases confrontation and violence and, and charges on people that probably don't really need another charge. Yeah. yeah. So that's something to keep an eye out. And again, pay attention to your local municipalities, to your board of trustees or your city council on what is happening within your community about, about the camping issue, yeah. about the homelessness. So again, this is something that has just had a snowball effect all throughout northern Colorado. We're pretty much after uh, Loveland City Council passed that. Everybody else, all of the board of trustees and city councils brought it up and they will be implementing something in the near future. Yeah, should be. We should be seeing quite a bit of <coughs> updates on that. I think um, next week we'll probably have a lot of updates because there's a lot of stuff happening yes. that we've already covered. So stay around for that. You know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, and again, with the topic of discussion uh, tonight, we didn't feel it appropriate to do a beer of the week. Um so we do not have a beer of the week. Correct. Um, did you want me to update um, the uh, just so? Yeah, you can. A previous story we t- talked about uh, the Thompson School District, or I'm sorry, Pooter School District, um, with the LGBTQ plus group after that we reported on that after school club and um, Pooter School District has actually cut ties with that group now because they think they probably didn't realize it was going on. That's so. kind of what I've been. 
<laughs> it's kind of the understanding that I picked up is they didn't realize that any of that was going on. And this is again, a failure on the school district of they need to vet these groups. Absolutely. They need to have a better understanding of what they're actually bringing in and allowing to take place within, within our school system to be able to make sure that it's not, you know, it's not a, a it takes a viral moment Right. For them to actually understand what's taking place. It's kind of the exact same thing with Karen Gardner with LPD. Yep. Nothing took place until you had the viral moment. And we saw that happen with Pooter School District. I'm happy that they are moving forward and, and discontinuing the association with them. It's not about that it's a bad thing to have an LGBTQ plus community. Not at all. It is people need to understand exactly what's being taught and just as if it's a subject or if it's a after school club they're vetted what are you guys actually going to be doing right and there needs to be some some clear understanding of what's happening and i'm i'm glad you said that piece about it's not um because there are some anti lgbtq plus groups that actually protested at the school board meeting on this matter in in the public or in the pooter school district and it that is totally unnecessary it's totally unnecessary. That, that, I mean, it's really pretty hateful. Yeah. So, all right. So, well, thank you for listening. I ask you that you hold your family a little bit tighter and you listen a little bit more. You know, we can all, we can all grow and be a little bit better. And that's what I ask you to do is to be better and, and, be that shoulder for somebody. And be the change for one kid. That's <laughs> all it takes. Absolutely. Well, as always, I'm your native, Alex Johnson. And I'm your transplant, Jen Bryant. We'll see you next week. Take care.